This is a work of fiction. Written, narrated, and produced by me, Dennis Macareg. Please subscribe to my podcast and share it with friends. With leisurely strides, I walked through the alleys, passing my stores selling jewelry in brightly lit windows. A store selling perfumes is next to a shop with displays of gelatos in rectangular tin containers with flavors like pistachio and mocha. Salivating start at the thought of those sumptuous flavors waiting for me. Sitting on a bench and enjoying a scoop would be great, but there's no time to make a detour, so no gelato for now. Having only one hour for a chance to see Olivia, I continue walking. Something in the city makes me fall in love with it right away. It's hard to put my finger on it. Maybe it's the charming stores. Perhaps it's the sound of water slapping on the sides of the buildings in tiny canals. It could be the way the sun try to squeeze through the narrow opening to the sky. Possibly, it's the sight of two lovers holding hands. Then, unexpectedly, I emerge onto Piazza San Marco. There must be thousands of travelers roaming the square, most of them armed with cameras snapping away. In an instant, the grandeur of St. Mark's Square takes my breath away. Only a few times in my life has a place overwhelmed me at first glance. This is one of them. The architecture in front of me is exquisite down to the minute detail. It's hard to believe people from the Middle Ages could create works of art like this. To my left is St. Mark's Basilica. The Byzantine-style church overlooks the square with its domes sitting on the roof like crowns. Bronze horses are guarding the main archway entrance. Behind me is the clock tower, the blue sundial with zodiac images glossy in the bright afternoon sky. A relief of a winged lion and two giants striking the bell are on top. A stand sells postcards, hats, masquerade masks, and selfie sticks. Roaming the square, I comb through the nooks and spaces between the buildings, hoping to see Olivia. She is nowhere to be found. It's almost four in the afternoon, and the window of opportunity is getting slimmer with each passing minute. Giving up, seems to be the best option, but I cling to the thin thread of hope that she is close by. Then music starts from a cafe orchestra on stage under a white canopy. The musicians are dressed in neatly pressed white jackets and black pants. I inch closer to the folks sitting in yellow chairs at small, round tables covered with white tablecloths, feeling optimistic that she might be in one of them. 
everyone has a pleasant look on their faces as they enjoy the cool summer drinks and the soft music. It is fascinating to hear the band play an American standard, but I can't remember the song. As the lively sound of the piano and the violin fill the square, I imagine I'm back in the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties. The women are a delight in their flapper-era hats and French dresses. The men are sporting mocha pinstripe suits and skimmer hats. A waiter approaches me and asks me if I care for an apple teeny. He promises that he'll get me a good seat. Given that it's my first time in Venice and probably my last, I consider his request. Since it's already way past the time when Olivia should be in the area, I follow him. True to his promise, he sits me a few tables away from the orchestra. While waiting for my drink, sightseers with outstretched arms are feeding the pigeons in the square. Rows of nearby apartment complex housed city administrators in the past. I fish my phone from my pocket and check my email. To my surprise, the hotspot connection is flashing on the screen. Olivia is nearby? I stand and scan the immediate area. Hundreds of pigeons with their sinister eyes are feasting on breadcrumbs littering the ground in the middle of the square. A family of four with morsels of pasta in their hands are feeding the gray birds. My eyes are drawn to the campanile. The tall, red brick bell tower astounds me. From a distance, someone is calling my name. My first intuition tells me that it's the waiter, but I don't recall giving him my name. Besides, it's a woman's voice. Where is it coming from? To my delight, Olivia is emerging from the back of the crowd, waving at me. Am I hallucinating that instead, she's a speck of dust emerging from a desert mirage? This can't be true. She already blew me off. But the enthusiasm on her face conveys something else. Waving back so she can spot me right away, I'm afraid she might disappear again like she did at the train station. She hurriedly cuts across the square as pigeons fly out of the way. Hi, she says, approaching me. Did you just see me sitting here? I was about to feed the pigeons when I saw this. She's pointing to the top of her phone screen. That's what made me get up from my seat, I say showing the matching icon on my phone. Good thing the orchestra is on a short break. We can talk without shouting over the music. With a flirtatious tone, she asks, So, have you been following me? I jokingly say, Okay, my cover is blown. I'm a spy on a mission. She rolls her eyes and asks, What's your next step now that you found me? Where's the package? I am not telling. Maybe if I treat you to a drink, it might loosen your tongue. She waves her hand at the waiter. 
I can start with a spritzer. Maybe it'll do the trick. We take a few sips and watch the people walking past us. She sets the glass down and turns to me. So, what happened back at the train station? Because she suddenly disappeared. You said goodbye right away and seemed to be in a hurry to leave. I thought, I didn't mean to imply I was ditching you. When my internet connection finally worked, I received a ton of texts and emails that needed response right away. When I was done texting back, I turned around to look but couldn't find you. Are you in Venice alone? I'm here with my co-workers from back in the States. We're attending our boss's 25th wedding anniversary and vow renewal. It's tomorrow. Please check out my latest novel, A Whisper to the Moon, at online retailers and at bookstores where it's available. Thank you for listening to the fifth episode of my podcast. In this particular episode, I notice, which is also true with most tourist towns, are the stores selling all kinds of souvenirs. I understand. They have to sell something as part of the economy. But big stores, mini stalls, and brand names that we all see, and designer jeans and handbags and clothing stores are all next to each other. All the big players are all here, but also the little guys hustling on the side are here, selling little trinkets and all that. You wonder how these big stores can sell all those expensive items. I ate pasta, gelato, pizza, and all my favorites. Luckily, I walked a lot and burned off calories. Climbing upstairs and walking to the subway. Well, when I was in Rome, of course, the subway. The distance needed to be covered from one location to the other, though not that far, requires effort. It's just that getting out of your hotel, up and down the stairs, and going to either the, you know, the bus station or I guess the water bus station in case of Venice can be, uh, I'm not going to say exhausting, but it gets tiring. You haven't even been to the place where you need to go and you're kind of like already tired and hungry. The body is always active when you're on vacation, especially in Venice. Living in Italy is not like the way we live here in the States, at least where I'm at. The farthest walk we make is from our bedroom to the garage, get in the car, then go. When we get to the store or our workplace, we usually park at the closest spot, then walk to the front door. The first order of the day is going to Piazza San Marco. That's that's it. That's I wanted to see that right away. I wanted to be in the heart of the action because it's the number one thing on the guidebook, right? So to get there, I have to go through lots of narrow alleyways and and feeling lost most of the time. Luckily, there are yellow signs on the sides of the buildings with an arrow pointing to either St. Mark's Square or Rialto Bridge. Or you can just follow the people in front of you. More likely, they're all going the same place where you're going. It's the easiest. 
can also like stop at the store somewhere. Usually there's a, a store owner or a, a salesperson uh, standing in front of the store and that person will probably just point to the direction where you need to go. So don't panic. You can always ask anybody to get to point A to point B or to get to such and such. You can pretty much tell who the locals are and who the tourists are. So don't even bother asking tourists because they're clueless like you. Though most of them speak English, it's best to approach the locals by speaking in Italian. It shows respect that you're at least trying. They already know that you're not fluent in the language. It's a good gesture that you're struggling and making an effort. It's a polite way of doing it and you don't want to sound rude. You're a visitor so you want to show them your appreciation and that's one of the things you can do. You can check your phone, but the problem with using the uh, the GPS on your phone, it just it takes away the fun of exploring the island. Your eyes are just like glued to the screen and you're not really watching or seeing the magic around you. When you're trying to find your way to a place where you're going, you become hyper aware of your surrounding and that's what makes it fun especially in a place like this. This is what surprised me when I arrived. The main alley opened up to St. Mark's Square with no warning. Bam, there it is. It opened up to this, this uh, great uh, square of, of magic, of people swirling around it. The beautiful square is right in front of me, bustling with activities. I remember looking up and seeing the clock tower above me. It's like, oh gosh, all these beautiful things are in front of me. The Campanile to my right and St. Mark's Basilica to my left. There must have been at least 10,000 people roaming in the square when I arrived there. I am not kidding. It's just, it's just mind boggling. <laughs> I use it again. I promise I'm going to cut back on saying mind boggling. The church is so grand, the tower is just so uh, massive, it's, it's nothing like I've ever seen. I think it was built in the 1400s, it was rebuilt again. And of course, the pigeons. Pigeons, 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 they are all over the place. They are part of the experience, but uh, for many locals, they are a big nuisance. But hey, when's the next time I'll be this close to as many pigeons who are chasing me for little morsels of uh, pasta? <laughs>